Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Crime Stoppers Victoria podcast. I'm your host, Ella Gavildes. This is the third episode in the four-part series, First Responders, Australian Stories, highlighting stories from first responders across many of the different agencies in Victoria working to keep us safe. The theme of this episode is working together. All of the emergency services in Victoria work together to keep us and the first responders working or volunteering for those organisations safe. Often an incident might not necessarily involve just crime or just fire or just injury. So first responders of all professions are required to work together to protect our community. But first responders have to work together with the community too. And sometimes that can lead to dangerous situations where community members, well-meaning or not, don't work with first responders in a way that's helpful. In this episode, we'll hear three first responders share their stories of working together and how the public can work together with first responders to keep them safe. We just thought we were going to assist someone who had lacerations and some obvious mental health issues. That's Nathaniel Zahario, an ambulance paramedic with Ambulance Victoria. He's 31 years old and has been a paramedic for seven years. What Nathaniel and his partner found when they got to that routine triple zero call was a potentially dangerous situation for Nathaniel and his partner. We quickly discovered that this is actually a very large party with quite a lot of people there, a lot of heightened and emotional people demanding help, a lot of intoxicated young people, whether that was drug or alcohol intoxication. And we were walking into the scene to try and assist this patient and we quickly realised that we were being very, very overwhelmed by all of the people that were around us. Nathaniel and his partner were understandably unprepared to walk into a dangerous situation like that. There was no information in the call that there would be any other people involved, and yet they were about to put themselves in a situation of intoxicated and potentially dangerous people. Nathaniel and his partner knew it wasn't a safe situation, so despite knowing that there was a person at the scene who needed their help, they had to make the difficult decision to remain in the ambulance and wait for help. In this case, for police to come and work with them to control the situation. We've had to just retreat to the ambulance and wait, um, which in its own right caused a lot of issues and people thought that we were unwilling to help and didn't want to help. And it wasn't about that at all. It's just that we needed to feel a bit more safe. And once the police had arrived, we were able to respond a bit more effectively. They were able to thin out the crowd. They were able to isolate the patient and we were able to assist him appropriately. But it just wasn't a particularly enjoyable scene to walk into, I think, initially. 
In situations like Nathaniel was describing, the threat of violence towards paramedics by heightened or drug-affected people means that police might be called to control a scene to give paramedics the time and space they need to work, without the danger and distraction of bystanders who get in the way of the job they're trying to do. Police members like Craig Peel. My name is Craig Peel. I'm 48 years of age. I'm a police officer with Victoria Police, and I've been with Victoria Police for 26 years since 1994. Now Craig has a different role in Victoria Police but he recalls a time when he was working in the critical incident response team. One particular crime scene, his role was to protect the first responders from bystanders who were trying to get involved. So someone had been shot and there was a lot of angst around the crime scene. So there were quite a number of people there that were trying to get involved, even though they weren't involved, if that makes sense. So we drove out there. There was eight of us went out there to support the local police on the divisional van. Uh, So the person had been shot and was already deceased and the offender or the accused, I'll say, wasn't at the location and it turns out they had left the scene but made a phone call to a number of people alluding to the fact that someone had passed away. So the person who was actually deceased, all their relatives started turning up to the crime scene, wanting to get in, wanting to get involved. So to effectively investigate a serious crime like a homicide, you actually need to keep the place very sterile and leave it exactly the way it was at the time that the incident occurred. If people go into a crime scene, they can leave their fingerprints, they can leave different DNA, they can move evidence, they can take evidence. So We locked down a crime scene, we put up crime scene tape and we asked people to stay out. But the people that turned up to this shooting scene were pretty determined to get inside the premises and very determined to breach the crime scene and the crime scene tape. So we had to try and A, calm the situation down, B, negotiate with some people who uh, made some pretty strong assumptions about who they thought might have passed away because at that time we didn't know who the deceased person was. But we also needed to try and get that information out of them Why did they think it was such and such? Where did they find that information out? Why did they decide to turn up here? So a whole range of different things. And it took quite a bit of time and quite a bit of effort to actually calm things down. Um, You know, it was a good 20 or 30 minutes of fairly robust conversations around what we would like them to do. And they didn't want to do what we wanted them to do. But eventually understanding that some of the people within that group were probably very emotional. Potentially one of their friends or relatives had passed away. So once you start to understand who they are, what their issues are, you can then actually start to work with them. And it's not all about do what I say, do it now. Sometimes it's a process and a period of negotiation and come to some common ground. It's clear that first responders do need the public's help in some aspects of performing their job. Giving information to police is a good example, but walking uninvited into a crime scene is not. But in general, Craig says that getting involved as a bystander without being asked to by a first responder is not a good idea. This is something that Nathaniel agrees with as well. Obviously, when someone's quite heightened or heightened emotions of bystanders or family members that interfere with our assessment or our ability to really help someone, I know that situations can be stressful and times can be scary and and things like that. But having to control and sort of de-escalate people's heightened states can be really challenging when you're trying to perform life-saving measures and procedures on someone. Not that they're not able to feel the way that they feel, but it's about trying to help each other. People generally interfering with assessments, whether that's trying to be helpful, not being very helpful at all. There's just different instances that sort of interfere with our ability to perform the job well. And sometimes we just need people to understand that the more that people interfere, sometimes the harder it can be to actually perform the job well. 
I'd also say that allowing us the privacy to assess someone properly is really important. Some patients, especially in stranger situations, don't often want to be completely honest about the situation because of the people that are around them. So allowing us just some privacy to assess the person so that we can get an honest understanding of what's going on for them. And what's worse than that is when bystanders actively try and sabotage first responders' efforts, making the job even harder. I've been to incidents previously as a negotiator, trying to work through someone threatening self-harm, jumping off a building or bridge, everything can be going quite well, and then a passerby will yell something, some derogatory comment towards the person having a crisis and all the, the work that I've done in the two or three hours previously is out the window and I start afresh. According to Nathaniel and Craig, bystanders at an incident who get involved often hinder more than they help. But how, as a member of the public, can you assist emergency services in responding to incidents and keeping Victoria safe in a helpful way? Well, there are thousands of volunteers that do just that. My name is Liam Wickham. I am 19 and I volunteer with the SES and I've been doing so for about a year and a half. The Victorian State Emergency Service, commonly called Vic SES or just the SES, has been described by Emergency Management Commissioner Andrew Crisp as the Swiss Army knife of emergency services. While they're responsible for incidents involving storms, earthquakes, floods and tsunamis, their role is actually much more broad than that. They're often called upon to help other emergency services with difficult tasks. This might be helping paramedics rescue a patient from dense bushland, rescuing tracked occupants from a car from a road crash, or even, as Liam describes, helping police search for a missing person or crucial pieces of evidence. Late 2020, we got the request to assist police as part of a big job near the Whittlesea unit for a serious crime that was committed. Um, It was a land-based search for a piece of evidence, um, and it was a large operation that went for many days. We had a successful outcome, which in the end hopefully will help with closing the case. This is just a big part of what we do as we're on call to assist 24-7 and we do assist the police with a lot of jobs and it is a big role that we do play a part in. The outcome was really rewarding and everyone was supportive that was there at the search and just finding the evidence that we're looking for in such a big scale, looking through a whole suburb, um, looking in bushes, turning drains up, looking in gutters, rubbish bins, everything, and just to to find it and find it so fast as well was um, a really good outcome. For anyone who does want to get involved with emergency services work, Liam says volunteer organisations like the SES can be a really good place to start. If you ever think about volunteering with the SES, just go down to your local unit. The people in the SES are some of the most friendly people you'll ever, ever meet and come across. And just have a chat to one of them about that. They'll be able to tell many stories and just how rewarding it is being a part of the SES. Liam also has some good words for bystanders who might be tempted to get involved and help out or jump to the defence of someone being abused on the job. When we get there, allow us to take over because sometimes you'll get to an incident and there will be someone there and they just, they want to help, which is really nice, but they do get in our way. And also for the public not to just crowd around and watch what's going on because it, it makes it unsafe for us and also unsafe for the job we're trying to perform. Try to avoid causing more conflict and just staying out of it because we have our own procedures and stuff that we will follow up with anyone being aggressive towards us 
And if the public starts joining in, it just brings the makes the whole thing even more dramatic. And Nathaniel agrees. I think it's important to note that we really appreciate when people want to help and try to help. But I think what people don't understand sometimes is that we have specific training and safety measures to ensure our own safety. You know, we have duress alarms, we have de-escalation strategies and things like that. So whilst it is nice to see people wanting to help, sometimes bystanders intervening can often hinder the process of de-escalation and it can put themselves at risk. Um, whilst it, it is nice, sometimes it is actually more challenging to have to worry about not only your safety and your partner's safety, but also the safety of the public that are trying to help you. So I think it's situational. I think it's contextual, but most of the time we're pretty good at de-escalating people and we have good support measures with the police and everything like that. You know, in most instances, I would just say that it's probably best for the public to try not to interfere and to to just kind of let us go through our processes and our assessments. And obviously, if someone's being assaulted physically and they're unable to defend themselves, then obviously that's a time where, depending on the kind of person, they might jump in and assist. And, you know, I'm not saying don't help, but if it's just someone being a little bit aggressive or agitated, I would say just kind of give us the space to to work through the assessments and to de-escalate them calmly and effectively. But still, despite some of the difficulties in dealing with some of the members of the public, helping people from all walks of life remains the highlight of the job for all three first responders. Volunteering with the SES is really rewarding because you get to see people when they are in need and then you get to help them when they're in need and you get to see the relief on their faces when you help them in a difficult time. You know, as strange as we enter people's homes in their times of need, they don't know us, they know nothing about us, but there's just something really special about having this sort of unconditional trust from people and from the public. And to be invited into someone's home, I think kind of means a lot to many of us. Prior to joining Victoria Police, I'd done a lot of casual work, odd jobs, uh, but all in customer service. So I was a professional lifeguard and I worked in the ski fields for a while. And that element of uh, supporting people in the community had been ingrained in me for a number of years. And that's probably what drew me to this organisation. I thought I could um, have a positive effect on the community. First Responders Australian Stories is produced by Crime Stoppers Victoria with the support of the Motorola Solutions Foundation. For further information about Crime Stoppers Victoria, you can visit our website or follow us on Facebook at Crime Stoppers Vic. In the next episode, we'll be speaking to three new first responders from different services that help us stay safe. Please hit the follow button on your podcast platform to keep up to date with our future podcasts. Stay safe. Until next time. The best part of the job, and I know a lot of people agree with me, is um, that we get to go into people's houses and meet so many different dogs. Um, That's always the best part of the job that I love. 